guardian angels and patron saints. Pray for us. Well, happy solemnity of all saints. Today we have a great celebration in the, in the church, one that marks the, the beauty of a life lived in holiness. All those whom we recognize as canonized as well as those who, unknown to us, nonetheless lived lives of heroic holiness and now enjoy their reward, the, the church triumphant in heaven. And we, we rejoice and, and reverence them. The saints, in all of their multitude, this vision from the, the, the letter of St. John, or excuse me, in the apocalypse of a people of every race and nation and tongue, all assembled around the throne, palm branches signifying victory, in their hands, crying out in praise and worship of God. This vision is something that artists have long tried to, to capture, but of course falling terribly short. Uh, it, would put, it would put Chief Stadium to shame, right? It would, it would feel like a, a, a drop in the bucket compared to the intensity of the joy and the noise that is made, right, in praise and acclamation of God. We see in the saints, as we reflect on this image, something of what St. John says in the second reading. We shall see God as he is. We shall be like him. The saints reflect for us a vision of God. We see God in the saints, in their, in their lives. I know many of you participated in that uh, the reflection with the members of the leaven. Look forward to, to seeing those comments printed in our, in our archdiocesan paper talking about how we've been moved by the vision of, of saints, saints who have reflected this, this light that comes to us from God. But there's another part of that that I think marks our reverence for the saints, which is that the saints have a message for us. Join us. Come in. Live this life that we've lived. It reminds me of something that I experienced as a, as a kid. My mom grew up on a farm and we'd go visit my grandma and there's a big old barn on the property. Big hand-carved timber, timbers and that corrugated sheet metal for, for a roof. And it was old and there were holes in the planks and in the roof. And sometimes when you go in there, it was a dusty old barn with a hayloft and everything. If you went in there though at the right time, maybe a warm October afternoon like we're gonna have today, you could see a shaft of sunlight coming in through that hayloft, right? And even though the whole barn was dark, you'd see that beam of light coming down and landing on the floor. It's beautiful, all the dust motes kind of illuminating that, that light. That's like the saints in all the multitude, right? We see them from a distance, a great distance, but they've taken their place in that shaft of light and they reflect the light, they make it visible. In that, in that dark space, in the darkness of our world, the saints make the light visible. But then, maybe you've had this experience in a barn or in an old shed or something like that, you can then walk into the shaft of sunlight and put your eye under it and look along it and see out to the leaves, the, the colored leaves in the, in the fall rustling in the breeze. Beyond that, the blue sky, and beyond that, millions of miles away, the sun itself. That's what the saints say is, don't just look at us, but come in. 
Look along the, the shaft of light back to its source. There too we see the vision of God as the saints did. That is how we join them, is to seek the face of God in the same way that the saints did. The way that they modeled for us a great desire to give themselves completely to God. Recently I saw a beautiful documentary a friend of mine sent to me. It's on YouTube. It's called uh, All or Nothing. All or Nothing. It's about Sister Claire Crockett. She lived a short life. She died young. But it was a very full life. And it inspired me. This film talked about what effect that she had in her short life on the people around her. She was born in the city of Derry in Northern Ireland, which is a place afflicted by conflict, political violence, terrorism, the divisions between Catholics and Protestants. There, Catholics and Protestants hate each other in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland is occupied by the British and the war of kind of ongoing independence uh, has just really created deep, deep divisions there. So it's a, it was a depressed area economically. Again, lots of violence and terrorism, great cynicism. People who were Catholic or Protestant were Protestant or Catholic more for political reasons than they were out of a sense of, of belief. She grew up there, and like most of the kids her age, when she became a teenager, started to drink and party and look for ways to act out, fool around. But a friend of hers tells of how she had been um, invited on a pilgrimage and was going, more or less at her parents' request, but got sick and found, needed someone to go in, in her place. And so she asked her friend Claire. Claire said, sure, thinking it was a party on the beaches of Spain, right? Um, ends up being a pilgrimage for Holy Week with a religious community in Spain. And this particular year, right, they go through the whole, the Holy Week experience, including on Good Friday, coming forward and reverencing the cross like we do every year, except for this year. <laughs> Kissing the cross, right, showing a form of reverence on Good Friday. And she was just overcome. Overcome, like, I have to change. God loves me like this. God died for my sins. I can see my sins nailing him to the cross. My, my drunkenness, my, my impurity, my, my disobedience, my, my rebellion. I'm just nailing him to the cross. She was overcome. And on that experience, she was maybe 17 years old. She first became aware of the possibility of a call. Up to this point in her life, Claire was determined to become famous. She was a, a radiant, confident personality, very talented, musical, had great talent as an actress. And she knew, family knew, Claire's going to be famous. She knew it from a very young age. She's going to be a great actress. This desire had long animated her, but now suddenly it met against another very strong desire. I want to give myself completely to God. She was of the sort of person that, that just did things all or nothing. Right? I just, I'm all in, or I don't want anything to do with it. And so... Uh, she began to explore this vocation, ended up going to World Youth Day in the year 2000 and with, her, with the same religious community and was talking with the founder of the community, a Spanish priest, in translation, this is all happening, but she's, uh, she's there, I think it was in Rome, I think, and she's 
smoking a cigarette, talking with the founder of this, of this religious community, saying, Father, I think I'm supposed to be nun, but I've always wanted to be famous. Can I be a famous nun? <laughs> and he says to her, yeah, you can be a famous nun. But you will only be famous if you first learn how to obey above all the will of God. All right, she said. Then that's what I'll do. She joined the religious community, left her home in Ireland, and went to Spain, a foreign country, gave up her language, her homeland, her family, and began this process of being formed as a bride of Christ. And they talked about all the sisters are being interviewed, right, as, as they describe what it was like to, to live with her and her joyful spirit, her confidence. She was, of course, always ready to run a skit or to sing a song or to tell a joke or get people involved however way she could. She had a great ability to be the center of attention. But slowly they noticed that it went from being for her sake to for God's sake, allowing, putting people at ease with her, with her talents, but then drawing them in to prayer, to learn about God, to love Our Lady and the saints. All of these examples are given in the course of the documentary, again, called All or Nothing, which I, I recommend you watch. It's free on YouTube, hour, some, hour 20 minutes or so. Claire was all or nothing, and so she gave herself radically to the life that she was, that she was called to there, um, doing teaching and preaching, lots of education, catechesis, especially with young people, there in Spain, in the United States, and eventually at a school in Ecuador. She would spend herself all day long um, trying to control a classroom of 40 kids, right, in a foreign language. <laughs> and then she would come home, and you'd think, well, after, or come back to the house, you'd think after something like that, she'd sort of feel entitled to put her feet up, but she would be all the more willing and ready to build up the life of the community of sisters there, to, to be lighthearted and joyful, always ready to say yes. She said when she woke up in the morning, she wrote the Lord a blank check. She wrote him a blank check and said, you can cash it however you want. My answer is yes. Yes. And she did so joyfully. She was inspired to be generous in her service. A story she heard and told many times was uh, John Paul II was asked one time after a long series of audiences and meetings and, and all, all, the, all the activities that fall, of course, to the, to the Holy Father, every minute of every day planned out, was asked, Holy Father, are you, are you tired? He said, I don't know. She was inspired by that because it, it said to her, that's somebody who totally forgot himself, right? How many of us could, could say, <laughs> I certainly couldn't. I know exactly when I'm done. No more. But I don't know. That's someone who's forgotten themselves. That's someone who lives the Beatitudes that we hear in our gospel today. That's someone who seeks the face of God in his daily life. That's what inspired Sister Claire, and that's what the saints do for us. Come, look along the light. Seek the face of God. You will become like him. 
The Beatitudes detail for us what that means to follow him in faithfulness, to reject the forms of blessedness that the world holds out for us, and choosing instead to follow Jesus, poor, humble, and obedient. That is to live in the light, looking back at the source that shines from on high. Sister Claire's, the motto of her, of her life was alone with Christ alone. Alone with Christ alone. That, that motto was given to her on the day of her final vows. She was the only sister that year to profess her vows as a member of that, of that community. But it became a way of life for her. Even while she was surrounded with people, she felt called always to be in communion with God throughout her day, saying that yes over and over and over again, cashing that blank check. Her fear was lost, the fear to give, to surrender, and to die so as to live. Sister Claire was eventually sent to Ecuador, and she taught at a school there. Uh, an earthquake struck one day while she was with uh, a number of young girls who were candidates for entry into the, into the community. She was playing guitar, they were singing songs, and doing some of their schoolwork. Earthquake struck, and the building, more or less made out of big concrete slabs, just folded like a deck of cards, or a house of cards, crushed them, they were all killed instantly. Many of the sisters were able to escape, but Sister Claire and a number of the young girls with her were, were all killed. And they slowly, over the next of course 24 hours, uh, dug through the rubble and found their bodies, carried them out, placed them in the the few, one of the few remaining buildings that were standing in the town and began a vigil of prayer. And that's when Sister Claire's life really began to be fruitful because everyone who loved her so much, loved to be close to her, had never imagined that she would be the first of them to die, began to reflect on what her joyful witness meant to them and what an impact that life had had. Dozens of these people are interviewed in this documentary, beautiful testimony of these young people who remember even when they were little how she had taught them and formed them and impressed them with what it meant to love Mary and the saints and Jesus above all. Sister Claire, just a few days before her death, the sisters were actually talking about dying, joking about which of them was going was to be the first to go. They were all, it was all a very young community. And she said, I'm, not, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die young. I'm going to die young. Maybe I'll die when, when I'm 33, the same age as Jesus. She, she said, I'm not afraid to die young. I am afraid of dying without serving. I am afraid of dying without giving myself completely, as I'm called to do. To die, to die is to be with the one I love, the one whose face I've been seeking all my life. This witness truly made Sister Claire a famous nun, but not in the way she ever imagined. She lived a very humble, hidden life, but because she lived it with great joy, her wish was granted, but in a way she didn't foresee. I find in Sister Claire, this woman who has, she and I have very little in common, right? Lived in a faraway place, has a very different outlook on life, 
very different circumstances in life. Nonetheless, I saw something that I was called to as well, and I heard through her that call, come in, come in, look along the light. Don't just admire from afar, but live your life in that same way with that same joy, that same generosity. Blessed are we, blessed may you be as well. Because there's a Sister Claire right here in this, in this church today, or a potential one, or many of them, all of us in our own way called to follow that same, that same unique desire that God's placed in our hearts to follow him in our daily lives, to write that blank check at the beginning of our day. Whatever you want from me today, Lord, it's yours. Cash it in however you want. The beauty and the mystery of that adventure is one that radiates the light of God into the world. Let's listen to that invitation today. And along with all the saints, get in, get in, get in, and let the light draw us to the face of our Father. All you holy men and women, angels and saints of God, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.